What's going on, everybody? It is Casey Washak here, co-creator of The Fit and 42, and your host, your captain, your navigator to The Fit and 42 life. Today, guys, uh, this podcast is a uh, stems from a knee-jerk reaction I had to a video I saw on Instagram last night. I ended up reposting it. Uh, to Instagram and then to Facebook, and um, it was it was really disturbing. Let me just say that I showed it to my wife last night after I saw because it, it it messed me up, and then it, in turn it ended up messing it messed Teresa up too, where she wouldn't even talk to me for like thirty minutes because she was just processing this, and so I've been I was thinking about it this morning, and. Um, there's a couple points I want to make in this podcast, but first let me, let me paint the picture of this video. If you haven't seen it and and if you haven't seen it, it's going to just as a disclaimer, it's going to enrage you. It's going to upset you that there's people like this in the world. So let me paint this picture. There is a mother-daughter walking on the sidewalk and about, I don't know, 10, 15 feet behind them is a father and daughter. I don't think the two knew each other. The two sets knew each other. But then this lady comes out from nowhere behind them, walks all the way up front to the first, to the mother-daughter and then starts. It look, she looks to stab the little girl in the face twice. Then she turns around and starts walking away. Then it seems like she's like, I'm going to do it again. So she came back to the first little girl. And the mom stepped in front. And so that lady then turns to the father, father-daughter team who's just standing there dumbfounded, like, what just happened? And she st- looks to stab that girl twice in the face. And these kids were about, I would say, 8 to 10 years old. Dad grabs the daughter after the fact. Dad grabs the daughter, puts the daughter behind him, and this lady just strolls away. Goes to the edge of the sidewalk, starts crossing the street. She's in the middle of the street. The dad decides to run after her. So he's running towards her. And that woman turns around and brandishes the knife. Shows it to him. And it's almost like a cartoon. He like skids uh, to a stop. Puts his hands up by his head like 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 any coward in fear, and then tucked tail and ran, ran back to the sidewalk, and then she just kept walking across the street. There was a lot of th- every time I watch that video, I get more and more upset because there's more things I notice. I noticed the bystanders who watched. But the thing that, um, as a father, the thing that I couldn't understand, the thing that enraged me 
was that dad's reaction. Because his daughter looked to be stabbed twice in the face. And I couldn't believe, like, I was, I couldn't believe how it turned out. I, he ran towards her, but then the minute she showed him the knife, like I said, he tucked tail and ran. Guys, I have a chihuahua. And this chihuahua acts the same way. If I'm walking away from the chihuahua, he gets so emboldened. He gets, he postures up. He barks. He actually chases me a little bit. But the minute I turn around to face him, tail goes between the legs and he, he cowers away. And just as a, um, as a man and as a father, I just couldn't understand it. And... Um, I then started thinking about that little girl because here's the deal. You show me a dad, any dad ever. And that dad has said, and I quote, I would die for my kids. I'd take a bullet from my kids. I'd walk in front of a moving train for my kids We've all said it. All of us have said it and we believe it until. And that's what infuriated me is because that I couldn't believe this guy tucked tail and ran. And um, I would then I felt really sad for his daughter because his daughter knows who he is now. And that's the thing. That's why I, I said a little caveat. Like every dad has said he died for his kids. Every dad. But you truly never know until you're in that situation. I do think though, and this is one of the things. So there was this like whole cascade of not only emotions when I saw this, then all these thoughts and it started to upset me even more because we live in this world where like, I really believe that we think one, this stuff can never happen to us Two, nothing bad could ever happen to us. And three, we just live ignorantly. We're very naive. I just moved from Southern California and a couple of years, actually, it was probably like four or five years ago. Um, the power went out and it was like July or August. The power went out for like 24 hours. And... That, you know, in July and August in the desert was like 110, 115 degrees. Now there's no AC in the house. And at the time, I believe, yeah, my wife was pregnant. So we made her a cold bath and just had her sitting there. And... We had food, we had water, we were prepared. 
But I went out for something. And I couldn't believe all the grocery stores, well, they had no power, but all the grocery stores were closed. Um, all the um, all the fast food joints had lines that went like a mile long to them. Because people weren't prepared. And it's that's as simple as, hey, we live in the desert. It gets super hot. What if the power goes out? What should we have in place? So if you don't know, I'll tell you. You should have gallons upon gallons of water. There's no such thing as too much water to keep at your house. Now, we still had water. You know, the, there was nothing wrong with the water. But if something were to happen with the water, it would have been way worse for a lot of people. You should have solar-powered flashlights, candles, non-perishable food. One of the things we keep a lot of is tuna in the packets or tuna in cans because A, it doesn't take up a lot of room. B, it can last forever or a very long time. So things that don't need to be refrigerated. And then a little more advanced, you want to have some like fire cubes if you wanted to make a fire, if you need to make a fire to especially um, in other areas of the country, if you uh, need to purify water like from rain or from the river. You need to boil that water for about 10 minutes. And the way you do that is with fire cubes. Easiest thing. That's the bare minimum if you live in a very hot climate. Now, this was just a power outage. And people acted as though, like... um, you know, uh, the grid went out and we were, you know, we were back at in the stone ages. Like people were freaking out. Gas stations had no more gas. It was only 24 hours. What? So the crazy part is in Southern California where we lived, the fault line is right next to us. And we are long overdue for an earthquake. But people don't – they don't think it can happen to them. And I mean like, you know, talking to people about fitness and, and their health. People never think anything can happen to them. Oh, diabetes runs in my family. That's okay. I'm 300 pounds. Why do anything about it? Why? It won't happen to me. And then guess what? So it's, I mean, there's just something about society right now that waits or or just human nature that we wait until the bad thing happens 
to then prepare for next time. I know a lady, you know, once again, Southern California, at least in the area we lived, I believe it's getting better, but you could not um, get a concealed carry permit for a very long time. I mean, you can't have a gun on your person um, or in your car or anything in Southern California in the area we lived until... You're mugged or raped. Then if you apply and you put that down, they're like, you know what? Yes, we'll let you have one. Well, the damage is done. It's a silly, like it could have been prevented if we were quote unquote allowed to defend ourselves. So, I mean... These thoughts all stemmed from the fact that I watched this dad basically um, destroy all confidence his his daughter could have in him in an instant. And I believe this all stems from not being prepared. Like, look, I do jiu-jitsu. My kids do jiu-jitsu. And I'll be honest, the re- one of the reasons I got my daughter involved in jiu-jitsu was because I want her to know that she could defend herself in any situation. One of the most um, dominant positions a person could be in in jiu-jitsu is on your back with your legs wrapped around somebody. Which, if you can picture that, is the worst position for a woman to be in. And so if somebody, some man, anybody, but if some man wants to try to harm my girl... And she wraps her legs around him... He's in trouble. He doesn't realize he's in her spider web. And it just so happens that's, I mean, originally that's why one of the reasons I put my daughter in jujitsu and she happens to love it. And now it's not just self-defense. It's, it's a lot more for her. But I'll tell you, with me, you know, um, I'm a Marine, I'm a close combat instructor, I'm a survival instructor, um, I do jiu-jitsu myself. I can tell you, when I started putting myself in, well, let me start here. When I was in high school, I was a punk. I feel I was a punk. I was always looking for fights. Why? Because I wanted to prove I wanted to prove myself. You're a big dude, I'm a big dude, let's see who's the better dude. 
I wrestled, I played other sports, but it didn't it didn't satisfy that. Because all these other sports, wrestling included, there's there's rules and, and stuff like that. It wasn't until I started learning jujitsu when I was about nineteen that now it it doesn't fights don't necessarily interest me because on a daily basis I'm going to practice and I'm challenging myself with people as good or better than me. And I'm getting that outlet. I'm getting that outlet where people who who know something, who who know how to use their body as a weapon are testing me. And then guess what? Then I go to a bar and some drunk dude bumps into me and wants to fight. It's not even it's not even worth it cuz he doesn't know anything. It's not fair. I'd rather go back in that dojo on those mats and challenge myself with people who know just as much or even more than me. So now I know because of the sport of jiu-jitsu, I know what I'm capable of. And there's a quiet confidence that comes with that. That it does, you don't need to prove yourself out, out in town anymore. And I truly believe a lot of the issues we're finding with kids and inner cities and stuff like that is because people have no outlets. They have no idea where they stand as, as human beings, as individuals, and, and where they are. And it could be really humbling, really humbling. But on a daily basis, I am sharpening the sword, so to speak. And my worry is that people just assume at 40, 50 years old, when something bad happens, they're going to be ready to go. And there's been no physical preparation. And guys, with the physical preparation, like what I'm talking about with jiu-jitsu and wrestling, there's a huge mental component of that too. I'm getting beat down. Guys who are 150 pounds, I'm like 200 pounds. Guys who are 150 pounds are messing me up, are stifling me. And I'm like, what is going on? And it's, it's a human chess game. But that grind... That creates mental toughness. And I can tell you, for those of you who do own guns and feel you're prepared because there's one uh, that's collecting dust in your, uh, you know, in some safe you got in your closet or whatever. Um, When I was in the Marines, we, A, were carrying that thing everywhere with us. So we were uber familiar with it and we shot it all the time. And the whole concept of the military and especially with SEALs and and grunt units is we're going to put you in uncomfortable positions constantly. So when you're in the real thing, it's not going to be as shocking because we've been preparing for this. And there's a saying I love. 
It's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in a war. And right now I'm talking about jiu-jitsu. I'm talking about the Marine Corps and stuff like that. I don't expect you guys to go out and join jiu-jitsu and stuff. But I expect, I hope that this stuff becomes in the back of your head. Being prepared and not just, not that people are going to be breaking into your house or someone's going to try to stab your kids. But the world's a little crazy right now. And I don't want to get political, but you got people who wear white sheets and then you have other people who, and and white masks and you have people on the other side who are wearing black masks. And, And personally, you wear any mask and you're not willing to stand up for what you believe in without a mask, you're, and it's this group mentality, you're, you're a punk, you're a wimp, you're weak. You see it all the time on the news and Instagram of, of people just being attacked for wearing a hat. People being attacked because of the color of their skin. And it looks like they're walking through a gauntlet. People, they're putting their heads down and you're watching people throw stuff at them, bricks and just random mass dudes coming up and punching them. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Why is nobody trying to stop this? And if you're saying to yourself like, all right, Case, like you're losing me because this stuff's never going to happen around me or whatever, fine. Let's shift fire. I live in Houston now. This place floods all the time. Do you think that I'm prepared? Absolutely. I came from Southern California where there, we were right next to a fault line. I can guarantee you at least half the population is not prepared for the big one when the fault line is visible. And every scientist is saying, yay, we're long overdue. Or how about, you know, I've been driving now. We've been going all over Texas. And there's these roads. There's these roads that, like, you won't see a soul on. For like hours. What if we broke down on the side of the road? And I wasn't prepared. I didn't have a backpack full of things in my trunk. Like my my family's at risk. No water, no food. No solar blanket. No... No like solar flashlight, no no fire cubes, no water purifiers, like nothing. No water? What? What would we do? You know, once again, coming from Southern California, we'd always go to Vegas, and then Vegas is like a four-hour drive. And there's a back way to go where you, once again, you'll see nobody. You get stranded on that with nothing, and it, in the middle of July, August, when it's 115, 120, you're dead. 
So just... It just scares me how we... We feel like things can never happen to us. And and we never think to prepare ahead of time because we don't think it's going to happen to us. And then it happens. And then we're, I mean, hopefully we make it through unscathed. And, and then, then we prepare. So... Um... I mentioned earlier I was a survival instructor and it's that was never let me let me explain where that came from well first of all we did something in the Marine Corps that I absolutely loved and I was like man this is this is so cool um we were in the jungle of Okinawa or Korea I don't I think it was Okinawa and we went through a basically a couple day survival, um, jungle survival training, and then they basically said, "All right, give us all your food, and and you have to live off the land for I think it was like a week, if that." And um, absolutely loved it. Found food, ate all sorts of weird things, crickets, snakes, um, but I loved it. Uh, learned how to make traps, learned how to make um, uh, fire a bunch of different ways, learned how to find water and purify water a bunch of different ways. Um, it, was, it was really neat. But, so I get out of the Marine Corps and all of a sudden it's 2011 and my daughter's about to be born. So I haven't done anything with that training, which at that point, it had been 10 years since I've been out of the Marine Corps. So I haven't done anything with that training. Yeah, I go camping and stuff, but nothing really didn't use any of it. But now I know that this little girl's born and I want to take her camping. And Trying to be somebody who's prepared and being prepared for any situation. Um, I said to myself, look, I never want to put my family in any sort of danger just because of bravado or just because of, you know, my pride. So why don't I start going through courses to learn just in case we're out there and something bad does happen? What if we get lost? What if um, a storm hits? Or what if my car gets stranded or something? So I started going through these courses and absolutely loved it. And decided to stay with it. Because, okay. Um, I I know how to make shelters. I know how to find water and purify water. I I ended up learning. Then it's like, okay, um, well, what if I 
I was out there long enough I needed to uh, find food, how to track, how to, how to make traps and different – all sorts of different traps. And then it's like, okay, well, what if someone gets hurt like, or I need to eat the vegetation? Maybe I should learn about hypothecary or, or what um, – hypothecary is basically herbal medicine. How to use what's out in nature to um, to help yourself, but then also finding out like what is edible. I I don't want to like see a berry and eat it and die, and my whole family dies because we didn't know what the hell we were doing. So that led me to basically becoming a survival instructor, and. Um, it's all stemmed from I just didn't want to put my family in a bad position because of something I say I like to do. My daughter doesn't know this, but we are about to go to the Dallas Cowboys New York Giants game. And we're going into enemy territory because we're Giants fan and we're going to Cowboys Stadium. And... Um, and once again, this, like, what I'm talking about is not that far-fetched. What if a fight breaks out near me or, a little, like, a little riot or something? It happens in sports events all the time. I want to be able to defend myself and protect my daughter. So I'm not, I, I hope I'm not coming across as, like, some sort of doomsday guy but look, I want to be prepared in any situation. What I hope you guys take away from this podcast is I hope that you just assess your life, your lifestyle, and just and just find the holes in your game with being prepared for a natural disaster. And, and maybe just really look and, and ask yourself, are you prepared to be able to defend your family, uh, protect your family. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Like, we make a lot of decisions predicated on us and how we feel. Like, I don't feel like working out tonight because I'm tired. But maybe if you... I don't feel like going to jiu-jitsu tonight because I'm tired. Um, my body aches. But maybe... If you reframe it and you actually don't think about yourself and think about what you're potentially doing for your family, you'll make it happen. And in the end, all we want to do is keep our family safe, right? So on that note, guys, take care and I'll talk to you soon.